And what's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast, wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. Yes, indeed, watching. I do have a video element to this as well. It's on YouTube. It's on Rumble. I may put it on Odyssey and Vimeo and all the other video platforms. They're for free for you fine folks. I'm also on your podcast platforms, the Spotify's, the Apple music or yeah yeah or apple podcast and uh iheart and uh, audible amazon everything any place you get your podcast you can find me but if you like this podcast and you want to hear more of me why would you but of course you know there could be a couple of people i have to do it i have to sell myself go to patreon.com slash tony mazer for just three bucks a month you get somewhere along the lines of 20 to 25 podcasts per month with video some with video some without video um early access to guests like my next guest here somebody i've known for a little bit uh coming uh, by way of the west coast but i believe originally from chicago and that's ashley marie thornton and uh good good to finally really have you on the podcast i've talked to you a number of times off air and everything and through dm and i've heard you on different shows but here you are you and i doing a podcast together Thank you. I'm excited. I'm ready to have my brain checked out. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that that's the <laughs> that's that's the thing about this podcast is it's called Check Your Brain. I think you need to check your brain by the time you agree to saying, "Yes, I'll do your podcast, Tony." But uh yeah, so so Ashley, you are uh, the kind of the one of the reasons. Well, there's a couple of reasons I'll, I I wanted to have you on, but first I want to help you promote a short film that's out there that has your name attached to it. Yes, indeed. You are the writer of a new film. It's a short film, 13 minutes long. It's called Dead Air. And I wanted you to talk about it, where eventually we'll be able to see it if need be, or if we're able to, and film festivals and all of that. So uh, the floor is yours about Dead Air. Thank you. So Dead Air is my very first short film. Uh, we will be having our world premiere at the Bleedingham Horror Film Festival in Bellingham, Washington. And that's coming up this Sunday, October 29th at the Pickford Film Center. And uh, our we're a part, we will be screened a part of a short film block. I know our block is the 431. And I do have it submitted to other festivals, all Oscar qualifiers, of course. Um, and uh, so as I uh, hear the notifications for those, of course, I'll uh, announce that on social media. But after the festival circuit, I think I well, I I don't know what will happen because I do actually have some ideas where maybe I could expand it and it could be a part of an anthology like Creepshow or Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, which I really enjoyed. Or maybe it will just stay a short film and I'll put it up on YouTube. Um, you know, anything can happen with these festivals. Um, so um maybe i'll sell it maybe it will live on youtube um but I, I will not have it on youtube for now because with a lot of these festivals you cannot have it online somewhere you know because they want people to come to the festival of course so i i'll try to do the festival circuit for a year and then after that i think you know if i don't sell it as part of something bigger i'll just uh, have it up on youtube so with you being the writer, and I remembered the original concept, you were telling me about it a while ago, 
And it came to fruition and I, I had the opportunity to see it. And it's very well done. It's very, very well done as far as videography, the uh, of course, the audio, we'll get to all that in a little bit as well. But I thought it was uh, for, for 13 minutes, there is something that plays into it because it has kind of that old school uh, Hitchcockian. Is that a word? If Can we use that? <laughs> we can use That's it on YouTube. Uh, but uh, it, it has that feel to it. Uh, so like uh, what prompted this? What prompted you to write something like this? And I guess uh, I, I, I put it on the video there, but for people listening on audio, what's the general concept of the short film without giving away too much? So I I have been writing, uh, I don't know how long, but I have so many scripts to my name and it's uh, actually the biggest hurdle I've been get, running into is uh, just trying to get financing. And um, with, I don't, not yet, I don't have an agent or manager, but hopefully that will change. That's actually my number one goal with the festival circuit. Um, so, you know, just getting my foot into the door because a lot of these places, they do not accept unsolicited submissions, which I understand from their expected, their um, viewpoint, because that's how you get lawsuits. I'm suing you for 200 million because I came up with Batman. Now, whether or not a judge would entertain that lawsuit is a different question, but you know, you could still sue someone and they, you know, pay their lawyers to make it go away. But so, I mean, I get from the studio's perspective. So I was just, you know, I had all this, I have all these scripts still just waiting to get made. And I was growing frustrated that, I hadn't made any, like, I just wanted something to get filmed. And then the pandemic hit and I was just walking around my house like, hmm, what could I do here? And then at the time, I don't think he is anymore, but Roger Corman, or maybe more likely someone posting on his behalf was active on Instagram. And he had the Roger Corman pandemic challenge and this was like at the very high you know right when it was you know around St. Patrick's Day and everything closed down for two weeks and I remember my husband and I we just looked at each other and said two weeks my ass and yeah. um yeah by the way Roger yeah. Corman 97 as of, as of this recording right now I don't want to be one of these people who says Roger Corman's still alive and then you're like hey Tony didn't you and Ashley bring up Roger Corman well he just passed away I'm like oh geez I've done no, that a number don't. of times no no so. no 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 God we can't forbid. jinx it I God know. forbid I'm gonna cry when that day happens <laughs> too too soon too soon way too soon <laughs> but go ahead and then it's like you know 97 I you know he lived such a long uh, no I can't can he live to be like 197, please? But he had this yeah, Roger put him in formaldehyde Corman, for a little bit. Yeah, please. Um, the Roger Corman challenge, which I don't remember all of the details. I think one of the things though was it had to be under two minutes. And I came up with something that could work, but but then I was like, but the better version of it would be longer. So this Roger Corman challenge was actually kind of what got my brain started and I and I know one of the things had to be shot in your house so I'm just walking around my house like what can I do and what's interesting like what's something about my house that would not 
be in anyone else's house um like what's something we could only film in my house particular not your house not anyone else's house and my husband and I it's really more so him than me but we're uh both members of the art deco society of los angeles and so a lot of our decor is art deco and we have this radio it's i forget the exact year but it's from the 1930s one of those really big uh you know sit around and listen to fdr you know and um i was like oh that's fireside chats for that uh, franklin delano roosevelt yes one of those old ones yes <laughs> yeah big ones um and i was like oh maybe maybe that's something and then um this short film you know that just kind of got the wheels in my brain turning and uh uh, I thought you mentioned Hitchcockian. Thank you. I kind of like to think of it as a lost episode of the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's the vibe I was going for. What about There's Night not... Gallery? I haven't seen that. You haven't seen Night Gallery? Really? No. There's not... I think people would be surprised of all of the things I have not seen because I do shadows. watch. I know. I'll just have to add that to my never ending to watch list. <laughs> I, yeah, I, cause I do watch a lot of movies, but then there's just, um, Oh God. Like I only just recently watched the Batman with Michael Keaton, like a couple months ago, never seen it <laughs> until re- and even like star Wars, like the first one, I just saw that for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, like I watch a lot, but then there's just so much, I think if people knew the number of things I had have not yet seen yet, it would be surprising. I try my best. I try. um, Ideally, I'd like to do two movies a day, a classic one and a current one. But depending on what I'm writing, uh, like, for example, when I was writing a Western, I watched Western movies nonstop. Um, But um, Going back to Dead Air, um, I there's no gore in it, but it's more, I'd say it's more suspense than like overt horror. And, um, you know, at the end, it all ties together. And um, yeah. Well, I, like I, eventually we'll be able to see it, um, you know, and, and you might hear a very familiar voice that's in what? the radio at some point. I, I won't tell you who it is, but uh, it's one of us that's talking on the podcast. Um, but uh, so no conflict of interest, of course, by having you on. But no, it's um, so one of the things I think I've asked you this over DM before is the difference between how it was back in the day of the studio systems, the Columbia pictures that uh, the, the MGM pictures um and you were trying a paramount. And though those are still around in today's world, a lot of people can just set up their cell phone and record something and they can kind of do a couple of, uh, you know, uh, the special effects or whatever they can do. But like you can make your own movie, have it be pretty compelling, do it essentially on your cell phone or with a steady cam and put something out there as opposed to where you had to get it you had to pitch it and you had to go through the process and go to a smoky room with cigars and so let me tell you let me do my elevator pitch with the movie like we have this vision of what it was and i don't know it seems like something like uh, the warner brothers the 1940s uh how it i know that you've been out in la for a little bit and you kind of see how the sausage is made a little bit 
What would you say is a, 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 the difference of trying to get something pitched, whether it's a big budget or even a small budget, larger film, or even a short film as opposed to what it is today? I, yeah, that's because I feel like independent cinema so much has changed now. Cause like going back to, you know, 1994, I think it was with clerks, um, and, you know, Kevin Smith sold that at Sundance and, you know, yeah, he just took his own money, made the movie, sold it. The rest is history. Um, I see as far as the big studios go, like I was saying earlier, that's I have yet to get in the room yet. Um, but with and I know Betty Davis and Olivia de Havilland, they fought the same thing. Betty Davis in the United States, Olivia de Havilland in the UK. Betty Davis lost her lawsuit, Olivia de Havilland won, but they were fighting about, they had these contracts. Everyone was on contract back in the day, actors, writers, directors, you name it. And so you had to do, um, you, know, you know, you're contracted for this many years and you had no say in what the script was. It's just, this is you're doing it. And if you complain, then you're suspended. And um like I said, Betty Davis lost that lawsuit. Olivia de Havilland won. And but now with no more contracts, you know, there's that freedom where you can have uh, that creative freedom and you can pick, um, you know, just whatever interests you for whatever reason. And, you know, so the big stars, um, you know, like I guess nowadays, maybe like Jennifer Lawrence or Tom Cruise, you know, they can do whatever they want. But people, um, so one of, I think the smartest thing I did with Dead Air was I cast not just my actors, but all of the behind the scenes, uh, like the director, the sound guy, I cast people who are better than me. Um, you know, they like, you know, I think with, you know, all of those positions, whether it's in front or behind the camera, it's essentially freelance. And so, you know, or even just me as a writer, if someone gives me, offers me a writing job, like I'm going to take it, you know, but hopefully, you know, as I um, am able to advance in my career, I can reach a point where I can say no. And, you know, I can, you know, pick and choose what I want to and not want to do. Um, but yeah, with independent cinema right now, anyone can make anything and put it out there. And, um, and I mean, you know, hopefully, you know, whatever people's goals with that are, you know, I hope, you know, it goes great for them. But then at the same time, too, you know, there's just so much content out there. Um, but, you know, at least you're able to still just get it out there because, you know, back when, how could you get anything out there, too? But yeah, I mean, just technically, too, that changed because, you know, back in the day to film on real film, that was you know, something. There's a lot, a lot more invested in it as opposed to yeah. today where there is money invested, but it, it, you talked about the, the contract players in the studio system. There was at one time, you mentioned Westerns as well, that you would go see a John Wayne movie because it was a John Wayne movie. John mm -hmm. Wayne had some pretty good movies. You talk about Real Bravo, you talk about True Grit. But the Searchers is my favorite. But then there was a lot of them like The Conqueror where he's playing Genghis Khan, which is awful. And everybody in that movie got cancer, by the way, if anyone really wants to look that one up. Um, there were a lot of bad John Wayne movies out there. Uh, but you went because it was John Wayne. You were a big fan. 
Nowadays, we don't have that star power. Sure, there's a couple of stars that will get people maybe a couple of butts in the seats, but it's not like that anymore. It's not, oh, hey, Clark Gable has a new movie. I can't wait to see the new Clark Gable movie. I can't wait to see the new Humphrey Bogart movie. It's not like that anymore. So these studios have had to get creative. And on top of that, you have the writer strike that really threw a monkey wrench that when the last big one from about 15 years ago hit, this one, it almost seems like the vast majority of the American people and, and people in the West were like, oh, it's over. Oh, I, I didn't even know it started. I didn't even know it was a big deal. They didn't. The, the, people have gone elsewhere for entertainment. So not only if you're a, a filmmaker, you're competing with other people in your business. You're competing with, oh, I don't know, anything from podcasts like mine to YouTube to everything. So it's a much different business nowadays. You're not competing against your peers anymore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like, there's some YouTube channels, like I love Hollywood Graveyard, my husband and I every time he puts out a new video, that, we my just mom watch. loves that. I'll go I to my, mom, my parents house, my mom will go like, hey, did you see Hollywood forever? Uh, we're at Forest Lawn. And I'm looking at a drone shot of and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I've, I've done it. I went to Eden out in uh, the valley. I saw Groucho mm. Marx. I saw uh, Lenny Bruce. Lenny though. Bruce. Yeah. Those are, and then did you go across the street to, um, I don't know if it's a Catholic one or not, but they I have, think it's, yeah, it's a Christian one. I know that. That's where Bob yeah, Hope is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they also have, um, oh, uh, William Vance uh, <laughs> from I Love Lucy and mm -hmm. um, Richie Valens and um, Walter Donald, Brennan. Yeah. And um, uh, the original voice of uh, Donald Duck. And uh, it's so cute because on his, uh, Headstone, they have Donald Duck and his wife is with them. So they have Daisy. And oh, that's, just, really that's nice. cute. I know. So cute. Um, but uh, and then my other favorite one is Ask a Mortician. But yeah, the and for I'm sure it's a lot of work for uh, that guy's YouTube channel. But, you know, he just took a camera, went to cemeteries, you know, compiled his research, put it together. You know, I I'm, anyone can do that. Uh, but he did. So good for him. Well, that, and, and that's the big thing nowadays is we're uh, when it came to the writer strike, the big topic. And I, I believe you listen to my podcast with Bennett Yellen, who helped co-write mm -hmm. with the Fairley Brothers, Dumb and Dumber. And you're not just competing against fellow writers. The writers had to, you know, uh, to come together because you're competing against now artificial intelligence, AI, that if you have an opportunity where you have a Spider-Man movie and all you got to do is put Dr. Octopus, Peter Parker, Spider, Mary Jane, and you just kind of aggregate a bunch of these things, put them in a, an AI chat bot, and then you can get a script within minutes of a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, you might have to have somebody punch it up a little bit, but that makes a lot of these writers completely useless. They have to look for jobs. That's why it was a big deal right now. And I'm, I am concerned. Now, I, I, I have said it on other podcasts. I do believe if you're in that business and any business, I did it in 15 years of radio. Everybody has to adapt to the new technology. But I think people were, I guess, underestimating how quickly that technology was going to start replacing things. I know some places they say, we're, we're banning AI. We're not allowing it to happen. I give it a few months. I give, I give it a few months before they start testing things and start laying people off. Yeah. And uh, there's a great podcast called Strike Talk that I listen to. It's still with, with the SAG strike going on. It's still 
they're doing episodes every week. So when that strike stops, I don't know if that podcast will still exist, but on one episode they talked about um, just with the self checkout machines at the grocery stores, you know, whenever those started out and uh, I guess I have not known this in my lifetime, but I guess way back when you would go to a gas station, they'd have someone fill it up for you. They Um, still have that in Jersey. I've never been to Jersey. No, um, you're not missing too much. I'm not Sorry, missing much. You're not missing much. <laughs> um, yeah, but just how, whether it's AI or just, you know, machines have, you know, if and the companies, you know, like, uh, you know, McDonald's, you could just do a touch screen instead of have a person there. It's the companies are going to do it because it saves them money. Um and then with the writers, too, and I think SAG as well, you know, they would, if you don't do it for minimum wage, we'll find someone else who will, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and it's, it. I'm always fascinated. You mentioned YouTube videos. I always go down rabbit holes of old, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either fast food places, restaurants, or the biggest one is big box stores. What happened to Builder's Square? What happened to Kmart? What happened to Sears? And and what it eventually all comes down to is lack of adaptation. That this is the future right here. You need to embrace it. Why did Blockbuster Video go by the wayside? Well, uh, they had their opportunity to buy Netflix in the late 90s, early 2000s. Think about, we could be still talking about Blockbuster in our homes. Now it's, hey, uh, Bend, Oregon is the last blockbuster video right now. That's great. But are you really going to Bend, Oregon to rent a video? No, no one wants to rent a video. We can get our videos right off of this thing that's next to me, this cell phone. Um, that the lack of adaptation is what happens and is what ends up uh, really killing a lot of these brands. And uh, when it comes to Hollywood, where a lot of concepts are not very original nowadays, that uh, Martin Scorsese has talked about the superhero movies are like a carnival that they're fun to watch and you go to the IMAX and it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of special effects, but there's no story to it. It's bad guy wants to take over the world. Good guys all put aside their differences to try to go, you know, take down the bad guy and uh, save the common good or whatever. And it's like, how many opera, how many times are we going to remake the exact same story with just like a twist every so often oh we'll have the joker let's get a backstory of the joker let's get a backstory of uh boba fett let's get a backstory of this okay now we're really really reaching we're getting like side characters getting them out there so (laughs) i think this is where and it's i guess it's concerning if you're somebody who is in hollywood who is a writer who is a producer that a lot of the american people when they found out the writers uh, had settled something in the, in the at least in the wga strike everyone's like oh big deal as opposed to where it was 15 years ago when it's like oh thank god now we finally have more content on tv well if you want content there's if you're bored if you're scrolling through the internet and you're bored that's a you problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um just whether it's Netflix or Max or Amazon Prime, whatever, you have um, all of the, oh, let me tell, my favorite, my husband and I, we just finished our little show we would watch before bed is Night Court. We watched all nine seasons the, of the, the original. The new one or? No, the original, the original. Okay, yeah. um, although we have been watching the new one too, but oh, gosh, I don't, it's so, I don't want to say anything bad, but. Um, it's not good. It's missing something, isn't it? Uh, 
so here's my problems. <laughs> Problem one, um, in real life, of someone who would be a prosecutor and someone would who would be a defense, those are two different people. They would never switch sides in real life. Um, so I, I want to see Dan back as the prosecutor. Um, problem number two I have is uh, with Abby, Harry's daughter. With Harry, there I know he was like the young judge. He was 35 or something, but there was still something. He's the something magician, where, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Yesterday at work, I walked by a stuffed uh, is it armadillo. It's, it wasn't from it, but I just thought of it. And I'm like, oh, night court uh but but there's some even though his character was in his mid-30s there was something he still had like just enough of a life experience to at the end of every episode you know tie things nicely in a bow give the litigants a some little pearl of wisdom where i feel like this character of abby she doesn't have that and I feel like they're trying to like force it on her. I just, I just don't feel like her character has that life experience that Harry had. So those are my two biggest things that I would change. And that I, the girl uh, who they have as the prosecutor and the guy as the clerk, I, I don't know. They have not yet grown on me. I do like the woman they have as the bailiff. I like her, but ever, I, I, I will still watch. You know, I know it takes sometimes like. As you know, a season for two to get like their footing, but I just, I just don't really care about the prosecutor or the clerk either. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you go back in the day. This is ob- obviously it was a great show, but we're re bringing we're bringing back a lot of stuff back. I saw there's a new Frasier. I mean, do, were we really clamoring for a new Frasier in 2022? Isn't John Larroquette, isn't he the only one who's really back? Is Richard Mull not even on the show? Richard Mull is not on the show. And I read that he, uh, I guess, over the years, whenever they'd asked about a reunion, he was always a very hard no. Um, I know at the end of season one, just for one line, they brought back Marsha Warfield. I don't know if she's going to be in future episodes, but yeah, really the only one back is John Larroquette. And then it's sad. Everyone else is dead. Well, yeah. And by the way, Marsha Warfield, I, I got a chance to work with her. Gosh, maybe in 2016, it was me, uh, Mark Skippy Price from uh, Family Ties and Marsha mm-hmm. Warfield. And she hadn't done stand up in years. She got into a car accident. Eventually she came out uh, as a as a lesbian. And so she was going through a lot of like personal problems a- at that time. And she's like, I think I'm going to give the stand up a-, a go again. And I-, I got to see her on stage. And I'm like, she's unbelievable. She's so good. Like, how do you take like a decade, maybe two decades off from doing stand up and you go back on stage? And she was hilarious. Marsha Warfield is really funny and she's she's back out on tour. Um, I think she's doing another tour like uh, the w- funny women of comedy. I don't know. There's someone at my door. I say leave this in. Is it right leave I... it in. Yes. Why not? I say leave this in. I agree. <laughs> the uh, yeah, the new uh, the new night court that's on uh, nowadays. I, I I don't know why we're bringing up oh, these uh, these old hey. shows. I have a key to this locker. Um, I think my husband has it who is out at Amoeba Records right now, and I don't know when he'll be back. Oh, no problem. I was gonna look at something for that house, but uh, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Okay, see so, ya. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I had was not expecting that. Get a I, package um, or something at the door? 
so we live in the back house. There's another guy who lives at the front. And, um, but we, in between, there's this gate and, um, uh, my, you know, my husband, he has a lock on it, you know, just for security, but, um, I don't have the key and he does, and he's not here. Oh, <laughs> cause I uh, guess I he, cause I know on the guy in the front, his, I know, uh, I don't know if it's like the waters, there's something back there that a repairman needs to look at for the guy in the front house, but no one told us about this or else my husband would have left the key here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Because that's what we do. That's what we do as guys. We do not. Uh, we, we're good at abstract thought, but we're not good at critical thinking when it comes to stuff that needs to be done today. <laughs> oh, I don't think it's a male problem. I think it's a California problem. People so into their selves that they don't think of other people around them. <laughs> well, you're so you've been out in California for a while and you've been trying to knock on the door of Hollywood and everything. Have you had any uh, experiences talking to some uh, A-list or even B to C to D-list celebrities? Any interactions? My favorite one, actually. So for five years, I worked um, at a bridal salon and uh, Viola Davis was a customer one day. She was actually buying a dress for her daughter, like a daddy-daughter dance. Um, and then so I right now, just to make ends meet, I work as a security guard at Warner Brothers. And I'm primarily in the archives building now. But uh, at the beginning in 2020, I would... Um, be with just random productions. And one of my favorite was Shameless with William H. Macy. And even though I'm just, you know, literally right on the perimeter of the set, just watching him and the cast work was really cool. And um, actually something uh, I saw William H. Macy do that you did with Dead Air was, um, you know, it's amazing how just you change just like the slightest little you know inflection in your word and it just like changes the whole uh sentence you know what i i know you know what i'm talking about yes. but just you do that little slight and it's like oh that's different i like that one more and uh so just to you know watch william h macy act for uh that scene like that's cool and um let's see anyone big um Oh gosh, I, you know, Kevin Smith, they, uh, was, he was filming something with Zack Snyder when the release, the Snyder cut or whatever came out. And again, I was just on the edge. Um, but at the end, Kevin Smith was like, who wants a photograph? But my boss was literally standing right next to me. And like that, like most of the people, like the sergeants or whatever are super nice but of course i knew i was standing next to the one where if i asked for a photograph i would be fired but that's how I'll, I'll just get my kevin smith photo another day but um that, that's a I, I met kevin smith out there at, at the uh, melrose emperor whatever hollywood improv mm -hmm. and he was doing a script I, I was there all night and it was a it was a really random random like totally hollywood night it was like a wednesday and Kevin Smith was starting the night off of doing a script reading for a pilot he was pitching with him, uh, Jonathan Sadowski, um, uh, uh, Tony Todd was a part of it. And there was like a couple other people. Uh, uh, Ralph Garman was on it as well. And I'm like, wow, this really is a who's who. And I don't think it got off the ground, but it was I could see it was kind of funny. It would have been like 
something to throw on Amazon Prime or Hulu or Netflix. Uh, and and then uh, yeah, I got to talk. Was to it the Mallrats sitcom? Or no, no, because there different. wasn't any, there wasn't any recurring like uh, like I didn't see anybody from Mallrats who was who was a part of like Brody or any of those guys. Right. Or Shan- Shannon Doherty's character. Um, but mm-hmm. it was I forgot what it was. It didn't get picked up. Um, but I remember I I, I asked him something because uh, they were doing a Q and A, and I said, as a more seasoned director nowadays, do you look at your movies, your clerks and mall rats, your early work a little bit more critically, like things that you could do better that you've improved upon in, in the corresponding years, or is that something where it's like, look, when I when I hit cut, when I say cut and print and everything and it's good and it's, I can't go back and change it. I can make sequels and everything and do something a little bit different, but uh, you leave the art where it is. And he gave me like a, I'm not kidding, a 25 minute answer about his retrospective of his career. <laughs> he was really appreciative that I asked him that. And I got, I got to hang out with him and took a photo with him. It's really cool. But uh, it was kind of cool talking to somebody like Evan Smith, like, like that. Yeah. And um, I, with dead air. Um, so we do have the world premiere this Sunday, but I'll, I'll tell you and your audience that after the world premiere, there is uh, there were three shots that we missed um, that, you know, uh, they connect the last scene with the scene right before it. And I'm going to um, uh, when we can, you know, I got to reach out to the director again. But the the three shots that uh, we did not put in, we're going to put those we're going to, you know, reshoot those, put it back in. So we have that bridge between you know, the last scene and the scene before it. So, but, you know, at least I can do that. Um, Cause yeah, something like a major motion picture, once it's out, it's out for better or worse. And I know with directors, a lot of the time it's not, you know, there's executives and, you know, their films made by committee and, you know, they don't really get to say that, oh, what I would have done is, you know, this, cause you know, they have to, you know, just put a smile on their face and promote the film, you know, for better or for worse. And that's, that's it, you know? So I'm grateful that at least I get to, with this, add those shots back in that I wanted. And then, you know, I learned from that too, because so there was three, one of the three I thought we had, but we didn't. And the other two, what happened was, uh, it was a 15 hour day. And for these two shots, my director said, it's going to take me two hours just to set up the lights. But what we can do instead is this, and I think it will work. And I said, yeah, I think it will work. Um, but after, you know, showing it to family and friends, some people understand it, but the majority of people don't. So we're going to, uh, reshoot those things. And, um, I think it will, uh, have a less ambiguous ending. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll wait for everybody to to finally watch it and wh- whenever it's available when we can see it once it goes through all the festivals, but uh yeah, and I and I I it seriously not just because I'm in it. Uh I, really good luck with the project and good luck with how everything and going through these uh festivals. Uh, how does that work as far as submission goes? Like do you it, it, like, I I would assume there's rejection letters and you go through that, but like how, how do they deem what can go into a film festival? Do they put it in like a, um, cause I I've gone to some before where they did you, you're there, you buy a ticket and you watch like several of them and they kind of gauge the audience reaction. Like, how's that work? 
So uh, as far as submitting or what a festival director looks for? Um, so submitting, I just, I submit everything on Film Freeway. And um, the something that people need to be careful for is premiere status, because there's some uh, festivals where they require their festival to be the world premiere. So if you submit to something else and it the dates were oh that's going to be before that then you can't do this and it's very competitive but I realized with my short film there was less premiere status requirements I suspect that might be more for the feature lengths um but I'd upload it to film freeway pay the submission fees hit submit it wasn't hard <laughs> oh okay so it's not it's not like this whole like you send a canister of your uh your films and you put it in like a big package and like i mean back in the concern. day back in the day that's what you had to do but i guess now with the internet just upload and click some so buttons yeah and uh, you know they'll some of them they'll want to know about you like for example example i applied to three different ones in ohio and one of them asked are there any ohio connections so of course i get mentioned you and i guess me and my husband even we do have a home there <laughs> but um uh, so some festivals they'll they have some questions you know and nowadays like any lgbtq any indigenous any um you know Gotta check uh, the boxes. My, my, yeah um so i'm a woman so i can check that box um but uh yeah and as far as what festival directors look for um you know i kind of feel like it's just a little bit of luck because you with these blocks sometimes it could be something we love your film but with the other films we selected we need a 10 minute film not a 15 minute film and, um, you know, I had a friend who made a short film and it's about cancer and she got a phone call saying uh, next year, Susan G. Komen is our sponsor. So we're not going to have your film in this year's festival, but we're going to have it in next year's festival. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, which makes sense. Um, you know, I sometimes I think just whatever the tone of the festival they want it to be. Um, you know, who knows why some, you know, get in or don't get in or yeah, maybe so honestly with, uh, this bleeding him horror film festival, I have a friend and she said, Oh, I have a, my friend is the director you should submit. And so I did. And I let her know. And I'm not saying that's the only reason I got in, but I'm sure it helped. <laughs> Because, you know, if it sucked and it, they still wouldn't have it, you know what I mean? Oh, but, yeah. but obviously that's something going in my favor. And, hey, that's just, you know, I guess using your network. Um, and then, you know, uh, with uh, if you festivals, you get into one, you start to build a relationship with all of the people there. For example, uh, Simi Valley just had a film festival and it was their inaugural one. And my uh, actually the lead actress in Dead Air, she's also a costumer. The, so she was there as a costumer for the short film she was with. But, you know, you make a lot of connections there. And since it's the first one, 
um, you know, you're getting in that relationship right at the start. And, you know, I'm sure that's important too. And, you know, I know we missed the, uh, with, we were still editing it with the CME, uh, with their deadline. So, but, you know, next year when I submit it and he sees her, I think we'll have a good shot at getting in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's great. Well, I mean, I, I truly hope, you know, for, for a lot of these, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough business. I, I look, I'm in the podcasting world. I've been in radio. Uh, my 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 days of radio they're they're gone for some reasons my fault some are not and a lot of it is just because it's a dying industry that there are a lot of industries that have overtaken because of that lack, lack of adaptation so if you're somebody who can find that audience nowadays whether it's a big budget uh film a long film a short film whatever the case is that uh there are platforms there are several platforms you don't have to hope that uh you know, the, the the Louis B. Mayer is going to uh, watch your film and say, I saw you, I saw your film and the world can't wait to put it up on the silver screen that you could say, no, hey, look, I have Amazon. I have uh, Tubi. I have uh, IMDB TV or whatever, if, whatever they're calling it, Freevee now. Like people can just put their stuff out there and it's available. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hope the best for people are really putting their hearts and souls into this because, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough out there. And you have to do it as kind of a side project. This can't be your main thing, even though you have to treat it as your main thing. You can't be you can't sustain on making a couple of bucks, hopefully from it. It's this has got to be a labor of love. And and um, one of the things I'm grateful for is everyone, including yourself, gave me the best friend price and um, had had I paid people what I should have been paying them, I would have spent a whole lot. Should I just say how much money I spent? Just some people you, you get it. You don't have to. Let's make it seem like you spent a, a ton of money and that you're in debt and that everybody should be going to these film festivals yes. and, and patronizing you. Like, like, like talk about that. You're you're out there on Skid Row right now with hat in hand because yes. of uh, mm -hmm. you funding this film. <laughs> <laughs> yes because you know all i it was all my own money and but i i asked my so the leading actress she's my best friend i so like i said we had a 15 hour day and i asked her how many hours did you spend would you say before today just memorizing your lines all of that and i don't remember what she said but i did the math where what i paid her divided by how many hours she worked it literally was minimum wage and then I know, um, so my director, he wore many hats, he directed it, he DP'd it, he edited it. And he also gave me the best friend price. And he said, it's because I believe in you. You're my friend. And I hope that this leads to other things. I know you have a lot more stuff already written and, you know, yet to be written. And I believe in you. And that's why you're getting the best friend prices just, just so this can get made. I know how much you've been itching just to get something made. And that's so what, really that's what I think happened with Kevin Smith with clerks was, I think they said the most money that he maxed out on his cards were for not only the cameras, but paying the music royalties to have an Alice in Chains and a sound or sound, uh, soul asylum song in his movie. That's where the money came from. Everybody else were like, no, we we see what you're trying to do here. We like it. We want to help out in some way, which I've been to that store, by the way. And it's amazing how he filmed 
an entire cult film in a convenience store that looks no different from a convenience store that's down the street from you, me and everybody else listening and watching this. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, you know, what can I do while I work here? How can I make this into a story? And I love what he did. And so did many other people. Um, And then I really, really liked Clerks 3 as well. I thought that was, um, I still, the first one is, you know, I just think the best holds up. But I really, 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 I cried during part three. Um, Clerks 2 had its moments, but, you know, it it was another one of those were trying to recreate some kind of magic. It was was nice that they tried to do an homage, but... Clerks three was, I won't give it away, but there's a lot of like, whoa, that there's Mm -hmm. a lot of heart and soul going into it because that's what I was concerned. There was now I'm not saying I'm saying this, but the concern with Kevin Smith's movies was some have said this, not me, that the, as the budget increased, the quality decreased. But I think that happens with a lot of people because you're Kevin Smith and you're 24 years old when the first Clerks comes out. You put 24 years of life experiences into a movie. So that's your heart and soul. It's kind of like any uh, musician with their first big album is they put a life's work of of experiences, of heartache, of, of um, you know, abuse, whatever that went into their artistry into that first album. How much do they put into the next album? Maybe about 12 months. And so you're not going to your the quality is, you know, just by statistics is going to go down. So you hope that when you get that first opportunity, you're putting so much life experience and lived experience into that film. So uh, that's that's why it's got to be really tough for these filmmakers. But when you have that voice and if you can reach an audience, you know, more power to you. Yeah. And um I, yeah, just any good movie, it has that heart, it has that soul, um, it has transformation. Um, and then as far as like the money, um, so all of the music came from the public domain. And then the my director, my his name is Brad Edder, and he's uh, one of my best friends. I know we rented the equipment, but... Um, Actually, that I was surprised at how affordable that was. But because he uh, has been doing this for his whole life, which thank you for the compliment, because, yeah, it really shows um, he knows what he's doing as far as, you know, how to just make something look professional and look good. But just so he has his experience where he said, if you film it on a weekend, they charge you less. So just knowing like little tips like that, you know, to save money. That the equipment itself wasn't too bad. Um, and then what else was I? I was going to say something and then it just left my head, of course. But eh, it will come back to me. There's there's always um, those cult films that pop up that you never know what affects it that's going to cause it into be, becoming a cult movie. I always talk about my experience was the Christmas story that it was filmed in, you know, not far from where I'm broadcasting. Uh, about a few years before I was born. It came out in 80, filmed and came out in 1983. So it's celebrating its 40th anniversary. Well, I wasn't born yet, but I remembered when I was a kid, we would watch the movie and my grandmother lived about three or four blocks away from the Christmas story house. So we would drive by there on Christmas Eve. It was like every year. 
And I remember my mom says, look out the window. You see that house? That's the house that was used in the Christmas story. And it was gray and it had aluminum siding. I'm like, mom, that's not the house. The house is yellow with like green trim and shutters. And she's like, well, I mean, they redid the house and everything and they did it in their way. Eventually, this movie started building up this cult following that somebody bought the house and recreated it, changed everything to make it look like what it looked like in the house. Bob Clark, who was the director of it, was also the director of Porky's. So he had always wanted to do this Christmas story movie and collaborate with Gene Shepard, but uh, he needed funding. He needed to do some dumb movie, which was Porky's. So he makes Porky's and Porky's 2, which helped fund the Christmas story. And you mentioned about cutting corners. A lot of that that's that they said was filmed in the house was actually filmed in a sound set in St. Catharines, Ontario. So you may think it's in Cleveland, Ohio, when you're visiting the house. You're like, oh, I heard I got to go to the Christmas story house. Like, yeah, you could take a picture out front, but that's about all that's filmed there because everything mm-hmm. else is on a soundstage in St. Catharines. But uh, I so for folks who don't know, I used to give tours at the Christmas story house and uh uh, I, I I know a little too much about the movie, and uh, I gosh, I did that ten years ago now, and uh, I think Peter Billingsley and the cast is coming up to the Scott Schwartz. They're all coming up to the house and doing some comic cons this year for the fortieth anniversary. But again, that was another movie that no one was making Christmas movies in the early '80s, so it um, had a short run in the theaters, and it wasn't until Ted Turner started filling up time on TBS and TNT that. People are like, hey, I kind of like this movie. I've never heard of it. I don't even know. Oh, it's oh, that's the guy from Kolchak, the Night Stalker, and that's the that's the chick from uh, Close Encounters, the mom. But I don't know anyone else in this movie. But I guess I'll watch it. And it took off. So you never know when a, a small, low budget cult f- movie is going to become a cult following. Yeah, like I just um, so on TCM, there all of those classics like the Bella Lugosi. Uh, they're playing all those kinds of movies. And I just watched the movie, I Walked with a Zombie. And uh, after I watch movies, I like to go on IMDb and read the trivia. And that was another one where it did moderate at the box office. But, you know, now 2023 uh, scholars, you know, critiquing that film is much more positively and how it has a bigger metaphor with slavery and uh, that whole big critique that you know i don't think was initially there in the 1940s that happens yeah that happens with a lot of cult movies i actually my husband and i we were watching i think we found it on amazon prime but i don't remember the name of it but it was like a three or four part documentary all on cult films and yeah at the time you know when they come out you know it doesn't do so well but you know actually right now at the academy museum they have a um some sort of John Waters exhibit, but, you know, back when all of those movies, their original release, you know, it, he could hardly get them to play in theaters. And now look at him, an exhibit at the Academy Museum. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. You know, oh, look at Roger Corman. I mean, Roger Corman yeah. is a perfect example. Like Ed Wood. It's these are low budget mm-hmm. films that not not the movie Ed Wood. That was big budget, but low budget Ed Wood style films. Yeah. Um, you know, Roger Cor- didn't Roger Corman direct the first uh, Little Shop of Horrors? Yes, he did with Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Where he played. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Wilberforce. Bill Murray part. Wilberforce, yeah, that was that. That was it in the in the play and the uh, the first movie, which was again you want to talk about low budget. That's yeah. in public domain, by the way. Did you? It know is. That? 
I did know that because I watched a documentary on Howard Ashman. Um, oh, that's won- a great documentary, by the way. Yeah. Yes. On Disney Plus. You know which one I'm talking. Yes. Yes, I do. Yes. And so Roderick Corman thought, oh, God, this is a stinker. I'm not even going to bother to copyright it. And then Howard Ashman comes along and, uh, you know, there's the musical. I'm pretty sure that won some Tonys. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the Rick Moranis version. And um, yeah, yeah, you just I guess you never know. Um, had he copy wrote that, I guess, would we still have got this? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you, like you said, you you never know. You just put it out there and you try to uh, try to see if there's an audience for it. That's what I'm doing with my podcast. I think that's what mm-hmm. we're all doing with these podcasts. But uh, yeah. So um, before we go, uh, you also do some tarot readings, and you have the cards. I've shown you, uh, Mr. Harpo here, who's uh, asleep. He's uh, uh-huh. Harpo. Wake up! For the Wake first up, time, Harpo. you're not actually interrupting my my podcast. <laughs> And uh, Eddie's somewhere around here. Of course, we lost Woody almost a year ago now. But uh, he, he uh, today would today would have uh, he would have it was like his one of his half birthdays or something like that. But uh, yeah, so you, you would do tarot cards for Gino and Six and uh, a couple others. But what do you what do you got for me? What do you got for the cats? Okay, hey, I'm gonna put my phone down. Sorry. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's. Uh, is there a specific question you would like asked, or just? Keep it general. Um, I I guess keep it general. Well, yeah. How about this? Um, so so the missus and I have been trying to have kids, and okay. it, we've uh, we've been trying for a couple of years. It's been uh, not let's just say not successful in the way of uh, uh, you know, not 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 completing the task of having children. <laughs> um, but but we're still trying. It's uh, a process that uh, I I'll, I'll continue trying. But uh, let's just say. Uh, so will this, uh, you know, give it to me straight. What can we find? Will we be blessed with a, uh, a, a, a bundle of joy at some point? Do you want me to just leave it open? Like at some point, or do you want me to put a time stamp on it? Like in six months, a no, year, just, just or at leave some it open. Point. Yeah. Any open-ended. point in time. That's right. I don't get, okay. I might, I, I'm going to be like Anthony Quinn and having children in my eighties. <laughs> Omar Sharif. Getting the tarot cards for folks just listening right now. Okay. Yeah, I was just shuffling and I wanted to pull a clarifier. I didn't want so, dead air. See what I'm see what I'm talking oh. about? Look at that. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, yeah. I see what you did there. So a shit. Let me just ask when. <laughs> Cause yeah, I am getting, you're going to have to keep working at it. Um, okay. Yeah, it's coming. Um, so I'm not getting a time frame, but it's coming. So this is the four of cups. You see the three cups upright and then that's okay. look at that. I, so it's coming. Um, but yeah, I'm getting, you're going to have to work at it. Um, Cause the first initial card I got was death. That's why I'm like, let me pull clarifiers, Uh-oh. which I love this card, by the way. Uh, this is one of those cards where I think just the name and the imagery are like, uh, but there's uh, okay. There's actually like a lot going on with this card, but this card and then the devil is another one too that I love, but I feel like a better name for this card would be 
transitions. And so what this card for me is all about, you do you see the sun rising in the in the back right there? Okay. So so this is um uh all about for me that sunrise in the back. That's why I'm like, it's coming, and that's why I wanted to pull clarifiers, and that's why I feel between this and it, it's coming, but I and that's why I'm like, I don't I'm not seeing like a time frame, but we'll keep having fun. Um, but uh, so with this, it's all about that sunrise for me. And then so uh, there's the death on the horse. But then at the bottom, there's those four figures. And that's uh, represents how we deal with this transition, this change. You see the one guy like begging. You see someone uh, passed out like, oh, I can't take this. You see another person mm -hmm. bargaining. But then you see the child that's like, Ooh, what's this? Like, that's how we should all approach it, you know? Like, um, hmm, have um, that healthy curiosity. So I think it's coming, and I, uh, I, with this transition, maybe there's, um, you know, of course, there's just like natural conception, but then you know, I know like there's other things too, like IVF and adoption, surrogacy. I, I don't know if that's there's other paths you and your wife want to look into or just keep, I feel like, or maybe just both just keep, you know, having sex and, you know, looking at other stuff too. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's up to you and her, but I guess, so I, at some point I do think, yes, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not getting like a, like a time, like, you know, like, yeah, this year or next year, I, I don't know with that, but, um, Keep 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 at it. <laughs> keep at it. Keep keep scaring the cats from. Uh, oh, they're doing that yes. wrestling thing. <laughs> oh, kitties. We are. Her. are do I, my I, cats? They they play, but then it turns into aggression. No, it's uh, it is October after all. You know. Oh yes, happy twenty third day of October and October time to you and everyone listening. <laughs> Your cat's name is October. Oh, yes. My cat's name. Yes. October Valentino. Uh, middle name after Rudolph Valentino. And then Sadie May. And that's May, M-A-E after May West. And then something really. Yes. It was, it was yeah. a, a one time went to Groucho's house in the 70s. Uh, future future previous and future guest Steve Stolier uh, used to work with uh, Groucho in his final couple of years with Aaron, the notorious Aaron Fleming up at their uh, house. I believe it's on uh, Hillcrest in Beverly Hills. And he uh, he talked about one day that uh, Mae West came over and I'm like, wow, OK, so two two people born in the 1800s are there and it's the 19 it's the mid 70s. It's the Nixon or it's post Nixon years and they're still around. So, uh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and with October, so one of, well, he has several nicknames, but Tober, Toby, Tobe, uh, the breeder we bought him from was calling him Obi after Obi-Wan Kenobi. So just, I find it interesting that ever since, even before he became our cat, he always had that Ob sound in his name. Okay, not not Obi Trice from uh, the Eight Mile soundtrack. <laughs> from within that, can I can I share one story with October? Go for um, it. You know uh, the miniseries Roots. <laughs> Are you familiar yes. with, with the naming yeah. scene? Uh, so, well, as 
LeVar Burton is being whipped and being Kunta Yes. Yes. Uh, what's your name? Kunta Kinte whip. It's Toby. And anyways, as the, I don't know the actor who is whipping him, but you know, he's screaming like Toby, Toby, your name is Toby. My cat comes running in the room thinking I'm calling him. Oh, really? Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Don't no, No, Stay in the other room. It's not, <laughs> not, it's not for children or cats. Well, Ooh. Ashley, it was a great talking to you today. And uh, good luck with everything uh, uh, and safe travels up to Washington and hope to see you when you're in Ohio to uh, have one of those film festivals. And if uh, and if you are here, one of those, maybe maybe one of the stars of the movie will show up in Ohio. Oh, yes, maybe. Yeah, because there is one in Cleveland. I don't know how far that is from you. The other two. Oh, I, I, the Cleveland. Yeah, the Cleveland International Film uh, Festival. Yes, they do yes. One every March. Okay, so that's when that, and then I'll probably be notified maybe a month before ish. I don't, and you, and that's on Film Freeway. They have all of those, um, you know, a page where you can see when the notification dates are, and the rejection letters that I have got, they're they're just like you know, just like two sentences, like thank you for submitting. Unfortunately, your film was not suggested. Uh, we encourage you to submit again in the future because yeah, I know you had asked a question letters. about rejection letters, but yeah, it's just like, obviously, you know, just like a five sentence, just, you know, standard um, thing. Um, and then the one that I did get into though, this bleeding ham coming up, um, I actually got a phone call. So I don't know if that's when you get in, if it's a phone call instead of a letter, but like, I think I got the phone call. Like I said, of my friend, was the connection with that one. So yeah, I'm really excited. I've never been to Washington state. I wish I could uh, turn it into like a whole week and make it a vacation because the last time was, I was in Ohio, the second day there, I got COVID like my throat was oh. feeling so. Yeah. So like, I was just there. Welcome to Ohio. Week. Yeah. And I, I could have even got it in California because I was reading about like an incubation period between two or 10 days. So Maybe I got it on the airplane. Maybe I got it in, in California. I don't know, but I feel like I got screwed out of my vacation. Um, but yeah, next time I'm in Ohio, um, yeah, I'll let you. I'll let you know um, about Cleveland whenever that happens next year. And then I think the other one was Aspen, and then Athens. Similar names. I don't know, but anyways, I'll uh, as. I keep getting accepted. Let's stay positive. Um, my Instagram, it's my full name, Ashley Marie Thornton, and it's Ashley the British way, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H, M-A-R-I-E-T-H-O-R-N. And my uh, Twitter is at underscore Ashley Marie. So I'll announce that, you know, as those notifications come up and uh, maybe a year from now, I'll throw it up on YouTube if nothing happens. But then like you're saying, yeah, who knows, maybe you know, however many years from now, oh, hey, I like that. And, you know, one thing leads to another, you know? Yeah. Well, but, keep keep on keeping yeah, on and that's good what luck we with that. I'll do. Yeah. So thank Ashley, you. Ashley Marie Thornton there. Thank you so much for being on the Check Your Brain podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, I've got plenty more where that comes from at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. But if you are one of the freeloaders and just happen to stumble upon this for free, 
which I don't mind. I, I get it. I put free content out there myself. I, I'm going to put this one on YouTube too. So I'm going to put it on a little sooner than Dead Air is going to be up there. <laughs> it's going to be on this week. But uh, thank you, Ashley. And thank you, for, folks, for listening to the Check Your Brain podcast. I'll be back with you with another free episode coming up next week. Bye, everybody.